Hey everyone, and welcome to the Americana Station podcast. I am your host, Will Payne Harrison. I'm so happy to be here with you today. I'll be talking to E.G. Vines here in a few minutes, but uh, there's a lot of stuff going on in the month of September that's exciting. A lot of new releases that are coming out. Um, the Americana Music Association uh, had to cancel their festival this year, but Thriving Roots is happening Um pretty soon, probably right after you listen to this. And um, there's lots of new music that's coming out. There's some panels for that. Um, I believe there is a uh, link at Americana Music Association's website uh, to purchase the Thriving Roots Pass, where you can get a lot of information on uh, what's uh, different different things in the music industry. Um, EG Vines has, this is coming out, um, I believe, what's today's date? Boy, oh boy, it's September 11th, um, and uh, I believe E.G. Vine's uh, new single, Them, is coming out the 18th, so um, make sure that you follow him on your favorite streaming platform, or even better, better yet, go to his band camp and purchase the single when it comes out. Um, lots of good new music, including my new single, Clarity. I want to give a shout out to uh, Jason Scott at B-Sides and Badlands. He added me to the Freshly Squeezed playlist, and um, along with Mickey Guyton and lots of other good stuff on here. I'll be updating my Americana Highways Backroads playlist here shortly over the weekend, so be on the lookout for that to be updated, and um, as well as my Will's Top 10 playlist, I'll be also updating that this weekend. So we'll have a couple new updates on playlists over at my Spotify that you can check out. Um, I asked uh, some people on Twitter um, if what their favorite new Roots Folk Americana releases are for the last month. Um, Ottawa Glow said XOXO, which I think He's talking about the album by the Jayhawks. Uh, he hasn't responded back yet, but we'll find out about that. Uh, Jay Pata says Arlo McKinney and Coulter Wall um, is running in close second. Uh, Hungry George uh, at Gene Meinhart says Shallow Graves from India Ramey is really good. Um, and uh, I, I at replied India Ramey and said, let's get you on the podcast because uh, I would love to have her on here. Uh, make sure you tweet her as well and say, hey, be on the Americana Station podcast with Will. And uh, Jeff Shaw also says Arlo McKinney. McKinley, I'm sorry. And uh, we're still waiting to hear back some more stuff. But uh, if you want to go over to Twitter and uh, send me a little tweet at Will P. Harrison, tell me what's been your favorite uh, Roots folk Americana stuff that's come out in the last month. Um, If you really want to flatter me and say my stuff, I I won't be mad about that. But um, I will tell you what's really good that is coming out, and that's E.G. Vine's new uh, single, Them, I Have Heard It, behind the scenes, and um, I'm I'm really excited for the world to hear it as well. My friend Heidi Buck played keys, I think, and um, some vocals on the track, if I'm correct. So um, that's really cool to see some friends play on uh, E.G.'s new single. Anyway, let's get into talking about E.G. Vine's. A Nashville resident since 2009, Vines says he spent most of his 2010s drunk, plump, and stupid, playing with various rock bands before debuting as a solo artist with 2018's EP, Conversation. 
The full-length follow-up, Family Business, was released in the fall of 2019 and features songs in regular rotation on Nashville's Lightning 100, Airplay on XM Radio, placements in Billboard, Rolling Stones, Pop Matters, and NPR, among others. Drawing comparisons to Neil Young, Jason Isbell, and 90s alt-rock acts like Pearl Jam and R.E.M., Vines has developed an eclectic roots rock sound, and he aims to approach songwriting from angles less traveled. Would you pay to change the look of your eyes to pretend that fewer years have passed you by? Without further ado, let's talk to E.G. Vines. You long to show the others every prize. Do you want to write your name across the skies? Well, I'm a salesman, and I've got anything you So how are how's quarantine going for you? Uh man, it's it's gone pretty good. Uh, all things considered, just been uh, trying to use my time as as good as I can, and um, tons of writing and actually like digging into old records and stuff like that, and trying to uh, refine my chops and yeah, you know, kind of get better on the technical side of things that when you're busy playing shows and you know, when the world's going fast, I somehow found a way to, to not do any of that stuff that I, you know, probably should be doing every once in a while. Right. Cause when you're go, go, go and you have some downtime, you just want to relax, you want to unwind. But now that there's nothing but downtime, it's easy to accomplish a lot of the things that kind of get put on the back burner. Yeah. And I just, um, I just quit a, my full-time job to go part-time and hit the road more. So I'd planned to, to do a lot of things. And then, then I had more time to do more things. So, um, wow. <laughs> I, I just, I, I make sure every day to, um, I try to make sure to kind of say, Hey, I'm going to work pretty much all day and like set time blocks and, um, you know, my wife will go to work. And so I get up at eight and I'm, I, she doesn't come home till about seven. Um, so I, I try to keep my day fully occupied and working, um, across that time. So I didn't used to do that. And just eventually you just realize like there's more work I can be putting in and, and it directly impacts the final product, no doubt. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, I've kind of said this on the podcast before, but my thing is I've always been a mediocre guitar player. And so I've really been trying to improve my chops um, to my uh, roommate's chagrin, I'm sure. So I've been trying to learn how to be more of a lead guitar player and, you know, also writing songs and and uh, reading, you know, as much as I can and ordering a bunch of studio gear to improve my podcast and, and recording on my own and stuff like that. It's, it's, there's endless things that you can do. No, no doubt. I mean, anybody who says, Oh, I'm bored and don't know what to do. Like you don't have the same kind of hobby or interest I do. Cause when it comes 7 PM, I'm like, I didn't get shit done today. And, right. it, and I did, if I look back at it, but you know, there's just always pieces I can, I can bite off more, but um, yeah. What, what are you doing on guitar? Are you just digging into old records? Are you like watching videos or what's, what's kind of been your, I was watching thing. videos for a while. Um, 
to learn some techniques, but I feel like a lot of that stuff um, doesn't really help me. But then I started listening to a lot of old like Haggard records and stuff like that to kind of learn stuff that he's doing. Cause I'm really into like the more like country, like a lot of bins and I'm trying to learn yeah. chicken chicken and stuff like that. Cause I've always been okay at blues and I'm getting better at blues, but I want to incorporate like more of those like country licks uh, into what I'm doing. So I've been trying to work that out. How about you? Yeah, that, that's, that's tasty stuff. Um, listen to like old Hank Williams and stuff like that a little bit too. Um, George Jones, um, what else have I been, a lot of Haggard lately, uh, a lot, and uh, shoot, I'm trying to think of what else I've been listening to, Christofferson, um, oh yeah, yeah, just kind of a lot of Willie, always Willie, um, yep, and uh, Doc Watson, so like kind of all over the place, but not, but still like in that sort of sort of Americana country realm. Nice. But what about you? Um, I'm like forever Radiohead, so I saw your tweet, yeah. <laughs> I just like I'm I, I I that's the one band that I just like never really get tired of. And if I do it I don't know how you listen to music, but I tend to just really uh get infatuated with something and like like there's been several singles come out this year that I've listened to probably 40 50 times each and like i i don't know it's just those little taste if if it's got a great melody and it's got some little tasty pieces that i keep coming back to um i'll just dig in and like i never really learned a lot of radiohead records so i I went back and learned uh all the songs on guitar on the bends and uh, working back through a few of the other records so i've done that and then um what i kind of do is as i'm listening to music i'll create Uh, different Spotify playlists, one for maybe singing, one for guitar. Mm -hmm. And I'll kind of go back and like hit shuffle and whatever really hits my ear that day, I'll try to, you know, if I I say I'm going to sit down and learn a song on guitar, you know, this afternoon or whatever, I'll just kind of hit shuffle until something really piques my interest for the day. Um, And then I just kind of start there. Are you um, doing your own production for this, for these singles uh, or did you take it to the studio to someone else? Yeah. So, so I'm self-producing with, um, so Ben Cunningham and my band has been uh, really involved with, with these songs. I mean, the whole band has over time, but um, I call it self-produced. We are actually, the guy we're recording with Dylan Aldridge, he's, I think he's going to be listed as a co-producer as well. And he's, you know, he's had some production input too. Um, mm-hmm. But we've been kind of, the, the tunes that we're recording and about to start putting out, we've been developing for a few, between, you know, two or three months to a couple of them up to a year. So they've kind of, uh, we've, we've been able to demo them and, and kind of learn a lot on the front end instead of uh, what I've kind of done in the past. Most of the songs have been just kind of shells and we've kind of produced them like, last minute um but you have so much more time on your hand now (laughs) yeah for real um but there's some exceptions but that's kind of what i learned from from doing my ep and my first record is the songs that i spent more time in pre-pro and working on the sonic pieces of them always came out better right and you know for some people it works like i mean there's plenty of records where someone just goes in and records with the band and, and something incredible happens but I would say that's more the exception. And, you know, the songs that, that I was telling you, I'll listen 50, 60 times to. 
mm-hmm. it's because of their production quality. It's right. There, there's layers in there and there's harmonies and different things that I keep, my ear keeps coming back to it. Right. And not just the fact that it's a song. Yeah. And I think that's why I've been digging into like Christofferson and Haggard and stuff like that lately, because they'll do something that like wasn't really done as much at the time. Um, or even now where you're just like, like on, um, is it Sunday morning, morning coming down? Yeah. Uh, there's just like a, a straight, like marching beat snare. That's kind of buried in there a little bit that you don't really hear. Um, just like little things like that, where you're just like, Oh my God, that's awesome. Cause it keeps moving it forward. Cause he's walking, you know, in the song. And then, yeah. you know, like in, uh, I don't remember the song, but I was listening to one of Haggard's older, like seventies albums and um, they would pan, and this was before this really, was really a thing. They would pan a guitar solo left, hard left and hard right and do harmonies. Like it was like two fiddles, you know, like that Texas sound. And it was just like, just things like that, where you're just like, God, that production that when they were so limited, how creative they got is something beautiful to me that I love digging into too. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, we, you know, our, our generation tends to think, oh, I've got the tool for that. Um, because that's the way we've grown up and that's the way, you know, the way it is, we've got so many things that were made so easy for us to do, but no matter what, the song still got to come back to, is there a hook there? Is there a special lyric? Like it could be the drum sound. Like there's gotta be something special that makes a song special because it doesn't matter how, you know, how much you pretty it up. It's still going to have that thing, whatever it is. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, I saw the, I'm looking at your about section on uh, egvines.com. And, oh man, uh, is it updated? I wonder. We've been, <laughs> uh, we're about to start sending out some, some different press kind of things. So we well, were. Well, you tell me, it, it says that uh, you've been drawing comparisons to Neil Young, Jason Isbell, uh, Pearl Jam and REM. And I thought that REM was interesting because the first thing I thought of when I heard your new single that's coming out that hasn't been posted yet, them it reminded me a lot of it's the end of the world as we know it. Awesome. Yeah. You, you're uh, out of five or six people I've had listened to it. Uh, I think you're the third person that's referenced REM and <laughs> one of the guys specifically said that song. So, I mean, it makes sense. Um, or we didn't always, start the fire. Yeah. Um, I was born in the mid eighties. So when I was coming into uh, my understanding of music and like getting my own music was mid nineties. So uh, REM's monster was one of my, first records and like mm-hmm. it's funny like th- that period 94 to maybe 96 or 7 like it's so ingrained and in my sound even when I don't think oh you know I don't think there's a 90 sound I, I always get this there's like a 90s thing like a grunge or an alt thing um, and, and it makes sense because that four or five years when I'm you know a young kid picking up CDs from the Columbia House Exchange program like it, <laughs> I, sticks, I had that it sticks with you you know it's that's funny. My first one was Green Day Dookie from Columbia House. That, dude, that's, that was one of my first like five. It was yeah. the Weezer Blue album, uh, Green Day Dookie, Monster. And, Batman, and I was looking. The Batman for. Uh, was it oh, hell album? yeah. The one that's with Kiss for, by Rose. Oh, what a, con- what a soundtrack. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then a couple years later, did you ever listen to the uh, Godzilla soundtrack from like 97? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's this song from Jamiroquai on there that like. It, it's insane. Like, go back and listen to that if you can find that soundtrack. It's uh, Spotify only has like five of the songs, but they're all bangers. I would check it out. Yeah, I remember they did um, 
a sample from Led Zeppelin with Puff Daddy rapping over it. Oh, yeah. Um, it was Cashmere, but I can't remember the Cashmere. Yeah, I can't remember the the Puff song, and that was I don't either. Puffy. Yeah, the da 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 da. da. Oh yeah, yeah. Very cool. Yeah, I grew up in uh, the '90s as well. I was born, uh, I guess, early '80s. I wouldn't say mid '80s, but um, so you know, I was coming up '97. I was like in seventh grade, so like a lot of those. Yeah, you know, you mentioned. Yeah, we're radio. right the same age then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, radio computer. Head. Okay, computer. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, just like mind blowing at the time, you know, Foo Fighters and Green Day and uh, all those like solid 90s rock bands um but I, I wouldn't say grunge i didn't hear grunge in your sound but I, I you know the production is is not in that vein i don't think but i definitely could hear some like you know old school rock flair in there for sure yeah and i mean i played in cover bands through college uh early you know high school early mid 2000s and college and um you know, so I had a lot of those three and four hour bar sets where we, uh, in school at Alabama, we play Almond Brothers and Skinner. And, you know, so there's a lot, what we did, we mixed that classic rock stuff in the 90s stuff. So we would, uh, one of the guys could rap. So we were doing like Rage Against the Machine. And uh, it, it was just a fun like mix. So that's probably also part of my influence is like I learned to play to those crowds of just assaulted drunk people. Right. And, you know, you, you have to, uh, sometimes you've probably played those sets, but it, you kind of have to get drunk with them and it just becomes this huge party. And like, um, so that's probably in there too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So what, um, influenced you to become a songwriter to like, it seems like from, uh, just the about section, uh, on your website that you kind of you started off as like a, a rock and roller, like you just mentioned, and then kind of like decided, I want to do my own solo thing. Like what made you decide you wanted to go into the realm of songwriting? Um, you know, I'd always, I think that was always kind of my thing that I was best at, but I always, I think I always was kind of in denial for some reason. Yeah. I always, I, I don't know, growing up, I always kind of wanted to be like a lead guitar player, but the things that I would always get the most compliments and like, wow, that's really good or whatever, even before it was probably very good was uh, the lyrical component um, and melodies. And and people were always complimenting me on that. And like when I wasn't very developed, you know, saying, well, would, would you be willing to, and even now, like you'd be willing to pitch these songs to other people. And um, so I figured out that I had a, a talent for, for lyrics. And then I think, uh, when those Isbel records came out, when he came out with uh, Southeastern and something more than free, I just really started digging back into singer songwriters. And uh, between those two records, obviously there's just tons of amazing tracks. Um, and then, you know, I got back into Bob Dylan and really back hard into Neil Young. And it just, I don't know, man, it just lit a spark for me around uh, 2015, 16. And, and I was just like, I think this is, what I'm going to do, you know, moving forward. How hard is it though to play? Because it seems just from what I've heard of your music that it, it kind of requires a band to really get the full idea across. 
how hard is it to play solo and do you ever play solo? Yeah, I actually, um, you know, it was something I was a little nervous to do, but it, uh, I did it. Uh, I went down to Texas. I went up to the Northeast and I've done some others uh, in the Southeast, but so I've done some one man shows where I've just kind of done the, uh, bring some percussion with your foot and, you know, yeah. maybe even do some loops and do some leads. And um, I like it. And I think I have enough of both. I have enough of like, this is more of an Americana sounding, um, just lyrically focused song. And this is more of a, you know, maybe a rocker or whatever. Um, I find it's actually it's a pretty cool thing to do and it challenges me and it, and it did challenge me to, um, you know, it's a hard thing to do to put on a, uh, a show, like you said, for with just yourself um, when maybe they're on the record, maybe they sound different and I have to like switch them up or do something a little different to make them uh, pop in certain places. Do you find that it makes you uh, a better performer with a band uh, after you've had to strip it down to just solo and be a, a good like a more focused performer? I, um, I think so. Um, because, you know, sometimes I would rely on the band and go, oh, that's his section or whatever. And, uh, when you, when you look at it from the angle of, wow, it's just me having to entertain these people for the entire time. And I'm playing only my own material. Um, you know, you have to think about things in a different, I, so yeah, I would say it probably made me better, uh, when I actually played with the band. Yeah. I was kind of leading you into that because, uh, I found that for myself. I was wondering if it was the same for you that, um, you know, up until I became a solo songwriter in 2014 or whatever, I um, always leaned heavily on bands and and the idea of like that live performance uh, with the full band being entertaining. And you have you real you realize how much you have to like change your thought process um, as a solo artist to continually be. Um, entertaining throughout the set as much as possible. And I, I, for me, that when I got to play with a full band again, I think that it made me an even better entertainer because I already had to up it from being solo. I was just wondering if it was similar yeah, for it, you. Yeah, and, and I haven't done much full band since um, so the last, earlier this year, January, February, was when I did most of my uh, solo touring stuff. So after those 11, 12 dates, whatever it was, uh, I think I only had like one band performance before everything shut down and I haven't played again. So um, we've been getting together though with the band, um, the band and the band and my wife have been kind of my, my quarantine buddies. So we've, we've been staying pretty tight and, you know, we got in the studio. So I think it's been good for all of our sanity to be able to, to get together and, and make some noise, even if it's not, you know, for anybody in front of a crowd. Right. Have you been uh, doing anything outside of the songwriting and recording? Any um, other hobbies that you've been picking up? No, I, I got a part-time gig, so I'm working about 20 hours a week doing that. And then um, really been doing this. Well, I, I say that. I do try to bike, and I've, I probably bike almost every day now. I live right here by Shelby Bottoms, so uh, I go down there and hit the Greenway. So I've become a, I've become a biker, I guess. One of those guys. Oh, On yeah, your what, right, what about you? Um, no, I, you know, I've been doing a lot more of these podcasts lately, which is good for my sanity and I think other people's sanity too. Um, and I've been diving into, uh, writing 
more songs um, and getting into production of the demos from my next album. Like I just, I have to have a project to look yeah. forward to, you know? Yeah. So, these podcasts have been awesome. I, I, uh, I don't remember where I found that. I think I saw it on like Mercy Bell's page or something. Oh yeah. Yeah. We did. Me and Mercy did one. God, it feels like forever ago. No. It might have been the end of last year because I listened to a couple back to back, and I think they were towards the end of last year. I listened to hers, uh, and you had one with with Anna Lee, who who I'm friends with as well. So yeah, I heard um, you were on her uh, local brew show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anna Lee's awesome. So she she's she, one she, of the best. She's a supporter for sure. Yeah, she really is. Good, good person to have on your side. And I love, uh, you know. Music people, we can understand this, but it's just, it's nice to have those people you can just, hey, have you heard this new record? You yes. Know, they send me things and I can tell how fired up she is. Like, check this single out. I'm like, oh my God. Yes, for sure. Yeah. And she, her stories are just incredible. The things that she's witnessed in her career. Oh yeah. All the radio time in LA and, and just all the path to here, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Um so you are originally from Alabama, you said? Uh, I grew up in Arkansas. And then Arkansas. I, went, I went to school in Alabama. So, and then I moved up here in 2009. So I've been here for almost, it'll be 11 years this fall, which doesn't, doesn't sound right coming out of my mouth, but it has been. Have you been? What about in- you? Are you? You have a Louisiana connection. Did I see that? Yeah, yeah. I'm originally from a small town um, in the middle of nowhere called Tioga, Louisiana, but um, I moved to Lafayette after high school and uh, lived there until I moved here. Um, so it's a very, ri- it's very rich in the Cajun uh, culture. Um, you know, Jimmy C. Newman uh, is from the area, if you're familiar with him, and he's he was on the Grand Ole Opry and Doug Kershaw and a lot of really talented people from down there. Um, but uh, it's it's weird being on the coast, the Gulf Coast, because you either go to New Orleans or you go to like Houston and Austin. Yep. There's not a lot in between. And so I just made the decision that if I wanted to further my music career, that I needed to move somewhere that had um, more major music cities near it. Gotcha. Yeah, I always had a, a few buddies in New Orleans and the guy who plays drums with me now is actually from Homa. And okay. I got another couple of buddies from down there. So that New Orleans home area, I'm pretty familiar with. And, uh, been to Baton Rouge a few times, but outside of that, that's about it, I guess. Yeah, New Orleans is about to get hit by not one, oh but two. Oh my God, I heard. Yeah, two uh, hurricanes. Man, it's the last place that, that needs that. Right, yeah. As if we don't have enough going on right now. Fires in California and two hurricanes and... A hurricane in the White House and just this year is just it's so much for everybody. I mean, I I feel very lucky to to not be in trouble financially and to, you know, knock on wood, we've been healthy and happy. So I, I have no complaints, but but my God, every day it's just something. something right. And right. it just won't won't stop. And you know, some things will let up. Like I, I'm not the type that thinks no matter what happens in November that the world's gonna be just you know, instantly great again. But um, I think we can all look forward and be like, okay, let's let's get past the election. And um, it's just so chaotic right now. 
Right. Which kind of segues into the, your song, Them, which is basically about, um, you could probably explain it better, but uh, it seems like it, it from the few times I've listened to it, that it's it's kind of about being um, polarized by these two political parties. Uh, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I guess that song could mean something different to me on a different day, but um. You know, the lyrics, the Democrat, Republican are the first two lyrics. So, I mean, it's going to instantly bring you there. And, you know, I, I just, I find that, like, I follow a lot of people and I have a lot of friends that are um, hardcore Democrat, hardcore Republican, you know, kind of across the entire spectrum. And I just, the thing that's always crazy to me is how people are so passionately supporting a certain platform, even if they don't understand or agree with something there, there's their walls are up where we are right now in our culture. And, um, I just find it crazy that a lot of times people can't even talk to other people because, Oh, that guy supports this or this guy does this. And, you know, we've kind of gotten to that point in our culture and honestly, it just pisses me off. Um, and I think I was probably pissed off that day when I wrote the song and, you know, it's kind of a punk rocker. And I, I think that's probably what you'll hear. Yeah. Um, it's, it is interesting how, um, I find myself sometimes, even when I'm trying to voice my opinion, being cut off before, because the person assumes right your stance before you can even, so there's, once that has happened and they've, they've put up a wall in their mind, there's no point in even, you can't, you can't win over somebody that already has, um, decided that you're wrong and, and, and decided your stance. Yeah, and you know it's so bad with uh, the echo chambers that we have now with with Twitter and whatever else, where you know we can follow whoever we want, and you know you're going to be fed more of the things you like, and people get in that echo chamber, and that's all they hear or see, whether it's knowingly or unknowingly, and and next thing you know, they people legitimately think their opinion is the right opinion, and only their opinion is the right opinion on right. almost everything. Um, and, you know, it's just, like I said, that's pretty crazy. And you kind of have to, I mean, for me, I have to kind of try to look at other angles of things before I, you know, go too far into something. And like, I want to retweet something, but then I go, hang on, let me research this first. Um, because I might not have all the facts. Right. It's, it's hard for me to look um, on social media for sure. Um, because Yeah, even, I mean, I've never been quite as, like every morning I'm like, what am I, you know, what are you about to walk into? Like what, what is happening out there? Who's, who's called me out for something, you know, right. What, what's, what's the new thing of the day that, that we're going to just be thinking about all day. It's, um, I don't know, you know, the older I get, the more I go, Oh, this, you know, like I said, nowadays the other day, I'm like, Oh, you know, it just sounds so old, but, um, I don't know, times change and you got to be adaptable. That's for sure. Um, like, I don't think technology is is the great problem. I think, honestly, we're the great problem. Like, if we don't recognize the problem within ourselves, um, technology is just a different way that, you know, these problems start presenting themselves. So, it's not inherent in the technology, I don't think. Right. Yeah. Which, um, circling back around, if you uh, listen to OK Computer, <laughs> the whole... Yeah album is kind of about this this whole like it's almost orwellian type 
uh, societal downfall uh, via technology, and he was on the fucking nose. About yeah, it. yeah. It's it's about corporate America and, um, you know how how people, you know, I just envision this seventy year old that's retiring who's a, you know, executive vice president and blah blah blah, and looks back and said, "What the hell did I just do in this race for forty years?" Um, and it's kind of that thing because we get ca- so caught up in these silly. Um, having things or chasing, you know, keeping up with the Joneses and all these things that I know is going to continually be a common theme in my music, but I, I just, yes, I can understand the importance of those things and I understand security, but um, it tends to be when, when we tend to tend to hurt each other uh, is chasing those things and, you know, trying to get the shiny thing instead of trying to take care of the person beside you and, that's that's what that record's talking about. Right, right. And um, so you have another single coming after them. Is that correct? Yeah. So what we did, we cut four tunes. And I think, I think I'm going to release one called Am I Dreaming Second. Um, so I, I don't know if you listened to The Salesman off the last record. I, I did. Think it has a, yeah, I think it has a similar kind of theme to that. Um, and I might call the president a funny word in it. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but I think I'm going to do that one next. And then I think I'm going to do, uh, we have a song called King of the Rat Race. Um, and then I have another song called Take Your Medicine. And I, so my thought, you know, I, I have a full record. I have a, a 10 song record that I want to cut, but I don't really want to uh, package the whole record until I know I can get on the road again. Right. So my thought, my strategy, I guess, is just going to be, let's continue to release material. There's going to be these singles. We'll do some music videos for a couple of them. Um, if not a music video, we'll have a lyric video. We'll, um, we might even do a cover series. So uh, my, I think my biggest goal and you know, maybe one of the things that I haven't done as well in the past is just I need to have a steady drip of new material. Um, and so you know, at least every six to eight weeks, we'll have a new song and uh, some videos and just, just keep it moving until we can play shows again. Yeah. 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 How do you feel about uh, what the CEO of Spotify said about um, in regards to content has and art has to continually come out if you plan on making a living at it? Have you heard I about mean, this? Yeah, I have. And um, that was another one of those. It's like, do I want to piss off these, you know, writers and these other people by like making comments? Right. Because I, I, I take a little bit of a different angle than a lot of them did. You know, a yeah, lot of artists have to answer that. <laughs> no, it's cool. It's cool. Um, but a lot of artists and writers, I think we're looking at what he said and, you know, F you, I don't have to do this. And that's fine. You don't. But the way I look at it, what he was saying is because these platforms are here, like, here's the way you take advantage of our platform. Like, I didn't view it as him saying albums are dead or, you know, anything along those lines. I, I just view it as, look, with the way to, things are today, here's how you can take advantage of it uh, and play it to your best advantage. Um, and and I, I kind of agree with that. And, you know, does it suck? Sure, but it's what we're dealing with today. Right. 
Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing to deal with because, you know, if you're in the position of like Garth Brooks or Taylor Swift, you can say no and start your own streaming service or only be on Amazon or whatever they want to do. Uh, keep their stuff only in record stores. But when you're, uh, you know, Will Payne Harrison and E.G. Vines, you don't really have the option because you don't really have the distribution or the the clout in the industry to withhold your stuff. So it's it's a weird position because I find myself having to cut corners um, on like, you know, hiring a producer and, and just doing it myself and like hiring a bass player because I play bass, you know, like I find myself having to cut corners to keep cost low in order to keep volume high. But I also realized that my fan base is very limited. Um, and the only way to continue to grow it is um, because it's become a, a sort of fast food medium uh, in the streaming industry is to continue um, to release new music. Um, and if it takes off, then the old music will eventually um, come around to. Get- yeah. People will find it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we got hit like with a double whammy cause now we can't, you know, tour. And, and that was kind of the thing that's, I don't know about you, but that's where I would sell the merch and that's where I would sell my records. And right. um, there's not, I get random orders on my website, but most of the time it's from someone I know. Like the random people I sell to was 80 to 90% of the time at a show. Yeah. Um, there's some stuff around the album release, but um, so that sucks. But, um, and the, the other thing I'm reading this, I just finished this book. It's um, like modern music management, I think. Um, by this guy, Ari, I can't remember his last name. But anyway, it's a guy that's been, you know, supporting himself for 15 years with a music career. And uh, one of the things he said in the book was, um, don't try to force your fans to support you in a way they don't want to. Um, If somebody doesn't want to buy the vinyl, uh, don't make them buy the vinyl. But they might be interested in doing a, um, you know, tipping you at a live stream. Or they may be... Um, yeah. interesting and doing if you're going to do the vinyl thing and package it up for like a Kickstarter kind of thing where they might get a signed t-shirt or like think about, think about other behind the scenes things maybe to give them access to, because it's not that they don't want to buy your product. They just might not have a need for vinyl or, um, you know, maybe they don't want a certain kind of t-shirt or whatever, but, if they're there to support you, they'll, they want to find a way to do it. We right. just have to be more creative now with finding other revenue streams uh, as opposed to the old days of, Hey, we're going to sell all these records. Um, right. It's just a different, it's a different world. Yeah. And I, I've noticed that like, you know, um, sometimes people will come and just tip you like 20 bucks and you're like, please. Yeah, take do, a you CD. Want, you, do you want, you want a shirt? Yeah. No. And they're like, no, 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 I don't. And you're like, no, please take a CD. I have so many of them. But like, sometimes they just want to give you money and they don't like, they don't have a CD player. They don't have a record player. They don't, they only listen to you on Amazon or whatever, however they they listen. And yeah, you being inventive is important, I think for sure. Yeah. And it's, you know, we talk about Radiohead and that's my favorite band. And if you look at, um, I think it was. In Rainbows. In Rainbows, how they, how mm-hmm. they did the, um, just give whatever you want. And I think the numbers actually came out, you know, instead of the $12 or whatever, I think they ended up getting an average of like 17 or 18. 
because right. a lot of people were like, I love you, Radiohead. Here's my $200, you know, whatever it was. And I, I don't know that that was their intent, but they were being creative at the time and just finding a new way to go to the fans and say, look, those of you who can't afford this or, you know, need to buy your groceries this month and like want our record, like you can still get it. Right. Um, and I and think, I think that bought some buzz. goodwill. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because they didn't have any overhead. So like if you could only afford a dollar or you couldn't afford anything and you were going to download it illegally anyway, they were just like eliminating the gatekeepers and trusting that you would be, you know, you would give what you felt, you know, that one person would take up the slack where another might take it for free or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, and I've, I've seen some other cool. artists do that where they'll say, Hey, this vinyl is, um, whatever you want to pay for it. And then just say like suggested price is X. Right. And, but I mean, in, in 2020, I mean, in 2020 in 20, what was it like? Oh, nine, Oh eight, whatever it was. Um, it was unheard of. No one did that. That was very like new and unheard of. And then, and then you too put it on everyone's phone and pissed some people off. But that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember looking at my phone. I was like, was I like drunk last weekend or something? And like bought this U2 record and people were like, no, dude, everyone just got it. And I was like, what if I don't want it? You just delete it. It's yeah. Just, it's you know, too. It's still a pain in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I have a love hate with them. Like I went back and really liked a bunch of their eighties and nineties stuff, but. I don't know. It was like beautiful day or something. I don't remember. I was like middle or high school, and I just I don't oh know. I, at that point, I was so pissed at all these huge. And it's the same way today. Like I don't think a lot of people understand that once you've like made it, you've made it. Like just don't fuck it up. Right. Like don't say something really stupid or do something really dumb. And like you're once you're made, you're made. Um, and and that was the first. And it was around the time OK Computer was coming out. I guess maybe a little after. But I just remember being like why does MTV just like shove these old bands in our face when there's these other new bands out here doing their thing? Yeah. And, um, but yeah, I mean, that, that definitely still happens. And I mean, it makes sense because these labels and management firms, they have their cash cows. Um, and it takes a lot more effort to break someone like me or you than it does, you know, just to pitch this, this record from something that's already made. It's, it's, uh, it's easy. Yeah, well, I mean, it's yeah. Why? Why should I care about this band I've never heard of? Um, it's you. You got to give me a reason to care, and a lot of that is you know PR and marketing and and getting your face out there a lot, which costs a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's the other thing I've spent a little time on is trying to like. I used to never care what I look like in any of that, and then, but I mean, it's part of it. You know, it's figuring out your look, your aesthetic, uh, digging in and drilling into your story. Like your bio has got to be compelling. The way you pitch yourself to certain people has to be compelling because uh, there's there's just so much out there. Uh, now in this era when everyone can make their own record at home, I mean, these people are just, the gatekeepers are just inundated. Right. Um, and either the song just has to pop on first listen. I mean, it really has to be a combination of it all because, you know, I find people that have great songs, but maybe they don't have a look or, you know, don't tell much of a story and like they might get lost behind someone that has an intriguing story. Um, so it's kind of like this whole package and I've been trying to use some of my brainwaves to, to think on that before I start releasing music. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. And I also have found that the most um, positive response I've got 
was when I was the most like authentic too. So like, you know, sometimes I've, you know, tried, you know, a marketing trick, gone down a path that like maybe wasn't as authentic, but, but was popular at the time or something like that. And uh, people see right through it. So you just got to yeah. be who you are and and be authentic, but also be interesting, which is a tight line to walk. <laughs> yeah. And, well, for me, I find it's, uh, Cause I think the music I've always, I've gotten that feedback, at least on the last record, people say, Oh, I can really feel what you're saying. Um, so that, that piece of it, uh, is always encouraging when I hear that from other people. Um, but yeah, like I said, between the polish on the production and like, uh, just look, uh, and drilling into, you got to drill into what is uh, most unique about you. And I think that's a cool thing about being an artist is like, I'm constantly trying to work on myself. Um, So I I think music makes me a much better version of myself because I can't write lyrics that are honest if I'm not honest with myself. Um, And the songs, like you said, that connect are the ones that are the most brutal and most honest. So um, I think that's a cool thing about, you know, being an artist is, yeah, we expose ourselves and other things uh, through our songs, but, you know, I think if you do it the right way, you're really working on yourself and making yourself a better person, better human being. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, like I've heard songs about like, you know, someone's drug addiction that just like destroyed me, but it wasn't true for me. So I can't write a song about a drug addiction because I've never had one, but, you know, I can write songs about, you know, hurt and pain in different ways that are just as authentic. They just may not have to do with, drugs or whatever someone else went through. And I think that that was the, the thing that I did for a long time was go, I really admire this songwriter and the way they write. I want to write a song like this instead of going like, oh, it's the authenticity of this writer that I really admire. Um, at first, you just see the, them for the story they told rather than the authenticity behind it, which is a little bit more subtle. Yeah, for sure. And you know, it's, um, I think the hardest part and I think that I, that I always keep trying to get better at is, um, you can start from one specific boiled in spot and then making it universal, um, in a way that doesn't make it too universal, um, to make it specific, but also make it, you know, my favorite songs I've ever written of my own and my songs that I just love by other people. Like, I feel like, a lot of you, you can hear different things in the song. Uh, yeah. you miss, like Chris Christopherson or somebody like that, like just laced with so many different like subplots and like depending on your frame of reference and your frame of mind, you can see something totally different than what he was probably seeing when he wrote it. Um, so having that scalability and like this universal thing where everyone understands it, but they might not understand it like all the way. But they put themselves in the story, yeah. Exactly. Like being able to do that, I mean, I think that's why someone like him or, you know, somebody like uh, Jason Isbell has just been so uh, successful in getting a song that like everyone can listen to, you know, listen to it once and just go, damn, you know, because they get it and it means something to them, even if, uh, you know, people that didn't grow up in the South and things like Speed Trap Town, like they can still get it because they can identify with the empathy there and they can uh, identify with those life settings that may not be the exact time and place of the story he's telling, but 
um, they're just so relatable. Right. Yeah. So, um, moving forward, uh, when, when does them come out? Um, how can people hear your music and all that stuff? Yeah, we're looking at, uh, what is today? Uh, we're, I was trying to figure out what month it is. This year has just been crazy. I think it's March Um, or April, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, (laughs) no, it's August. I do remember that everything shut down on like March 14th. I think that was, yeah. I think that was the day where I kind of like just got this anxiety. I sat down and said, Oh my God, what, what is about to happen? Um, we're going to put it out September 18th. Um, if you, if you're on a streaming platform, just follow EG vines and, and it'll pop up. Um, they can go to egvines.com and uh, get on the mailing list. That's probably the best, best way to stay with it moving ahead. But uh, we're looking at 918 on that one on all the streaming. Awesome. Here is EG Vines with a previously unreleased song. This is a song from the future. It's called King of the Rat Race. King of the rat race But I am just a rat you say I'm the king of the rat race But I am still a king to you Cause I hold you down You build me up Keep speaking out my name And these walls I built between us You keep climbing every day I don't know just what I'm doing But I'm moving you Like a puppet on a string Cause I'm the king of the rat race But I am just a rat you say I'm the king of the rat race But I am still the king of you And you know I was once like you Sitting down there with the rest Plotting out my execution Revolution in my chest So I know just what you're after and it's everything that I hold today Cause I'm the king of the rat race I'm the king of the rat race Counting closer to the grave I won't drop the crown on my head I'm not giving it away Cause I fought for all that I ailed The blood and sweat and tears And all the love that I let go 
the king of the rat race But I am just a rat, you say I'm the king of the rat race But I am still the king of you Uh, thanks so much, E.G. Vines, for being on Americana Station. Uh, best of luck on your new single, Them, which comes out September 18th. Next up on the podcast, we have Great Peacock. They've been tearing it up the charts. They've been in the top 100 on the AMA charts. I think they might be have even cracked the top 50 now. Um, I'm really excited to uh, talk to them and find out more information about their album and uh, everything so that's exciting we have some more people that i'm uh, working out some uh, scheduling with so there's a few more in uh, coming down the pipeline make sure you follow you rate you review all those things help us out so much uh, thank you to everyone who has rated and reviewed thus far it really means the world to me uh, it only takes a few minutes it helps me so much more than the uh, time it takes for you to uh, just fill it out uh, might take you less than a minute honestly just just go ahead and uh, put world's best podcast that's all you gotta do click send now uh, now more people can see the podcast because of you so uh, if you would take that time to do that thank you that would mean the world to me I'm at Maricana Station no A uh, on Twitter and uh, at Will P. Harrison is my personal Twitter uh, I'm also on Instagram at Will Payne Harrison and uh, facebook.com slash the Will Payne Harrison so go follow on those make sure you follow on Spotify Apple Music all those different things um, follow EG Vines as his new single Them comes out September 18th and make sure you follow along with the great with great Peacock who is uh, going to be uh, the next guest on the podcast thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time I'm Will Payne Harrison <laughs>